Welcome to the Level 10 Podcast. I'm Chris Gould, wholesaling and entrepreneurial expert. The Level 10 Podcast is focused on interviewing top entrepreneurs across multiple industries to identify what makes their businesses successful. Head over to level10official.com to learn about our courses, coaching, and much more. Welcome to the Level 10 Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Gould, and this is the first episode in our Recession Proof series. Really super excited for our guest that we have on today, Tony Mont. You've probably seen him on Instagram. He's a real estate investor specializing in wholesaling. He's also an educator and is the owner of multiple seven-figure businesses. So excited to pick his brain today. Tony, thanks for jumping on the show with us. Yeah, brother. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about this. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, just to get us started, tell us what markets you're in and, and what does your team setup look like right now? Yeah, so we've been wholesaling. We've been in the industry for about a year and a half. Um, we started last year in May and, um, you know, didn't really have a solid plan. We just knew somebody that was in wholesaling. Me and my two business partners come from a sales background. We've all owned businesses focused on sales. Um, thought it was a good industry to jump into. Um, so we kind of just got started blindly and we started in basically Florida, Ohio, North Carolina. Mm. Um, we've, we've since cut out Ohio, um, Toledo, Ohio, no offense to anybody from Toledo, but <laughs> we were in Toledo for about a month, um, locking up deals. And I know I'll never in my life visit Toledo, Ohio after mm -hmm. just running comps there and talking to buyers there and seeing how miserable everybody is. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we were doing quite a, quite a few deals in like Cincinnati, Cleveland. We did a few in Columbus, Dayton. Um, but you know, Ohio has been backed off a lot with the mm -hmm. way the market's changing. So we're no longer in Ohio. Um, we're in North Carolina, all over North Carolina, Florida, uh, Georgia, and Tennessee. That's kind gotcha. of our main markets and have been for a while. So, do, so you're, you're doing virtual like we are, I'm in Denver, our market's indie, like, you know, how does that change the process for you versus doing it in your backyard? And then what are some of the challenges you have when you're getting deals kind of in all these different places? Yeah, we kind of started off doing it virtual. So we never, we never started off like, you know, we never put bandit signs out. We never door knocked. We never did any of that. Like we started off with the systems and the processes kind of in place from our last businesses. And we're like, mm -hmm. we could do this anywhere. So we had no fear in doing it virtual. Um, the first, you know, 10 deals we locked up were not in North Carolina, even though we were here. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it, it's just coming up, you know, not worrying about a problem until you have it kind mm -hmm. of thing. It's like people would come up to me at events and be like, how do we go virtual? We've just been in our backyard for the last year. And I'm like, well, you're worried about a problem that doesn't even exist yet. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if you have to get pictures taken, you can't take them yourself, hire a photographer on thumbtack. Like that's mm -hmm. one step, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're sending everything DocuSign anyway, have the seller sign DocuSign. You're running comps the same way on PropStream and Zillow and all that. Um, it's, it's really not much different, you know, mm. other than, you know, meeting somebody in person, which, um, we've never really done, you know, out of, we've wholesaled 160 deals in a year and a half. And we've maybe met two of the sellers in person that were in Raleigh where our office is. Mm. Um, so yeah, I always just give that advice. Like, don't, if you have a problem, you're going to solve it once you have it, but don't worry about it now. You don't even, mm -hmm. you don't even have it yet. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think a lot of people make problems in their head and it becomes a barrier to taking action when it's like, once you get in there, you just figure it out. Like for us, 
people say, what's the difference between the virtual process and the regular? And I'm like, pretty much, not much, not much. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, nothing really. You know, there's, there's buyers I've been talking to for a year and a half that I'm friends with over the phone. I know exactly what they're buying. I know about their families, everything, their background. And it's people I've never even seen a picture of them. I don't even know what they look right. like, but I consider <laughs> these buyers like friends of mine. Like I know yeah. everything about them. So yeah, everything, I mean, especially this day and age. And I think COVID proved that, right? Like everything can be done virtually. Um, so it, it was, it was easy for us to, to start off that way. Yeah. So 160 deals in 18 months is a lot. It's a heavy deal flow. So going from zero to moving that much, uh, what do your marketing channels look like? What's your best ROI out of those? Yeah, we do PPC and cold calling. That's all we've ever done. We uh, Most of our data is absentee owner data with high mm -hmm. equity. Um, that's kind of been our bread and butter. Um, so, you know, I, you know, when the market was banging, um, PPC was, you know, like 10 X every month for like wow. three or four months. So we were, we were cranking the first month we started PPC. We were probably four or five months into wholesaling at that point when we, when we kicked it in, I think we were starting off at like five grand a month, um, mm -hmm. and spend. And that first month we locked up a $125,000 assignment fee deal on one, we, on one. Yeah. So so it was like, I mean, right when we started PPC, it was cranking. I mean, our bread and butter still, PPC is kind of shaky right now. We're getting a lot of realtors calling us, a lot of people that miss the boat, you know, mm -hmm. trying to just reach its straws. Um, you know, we're getting a lot of wholesalers trying to JV deals that they can't get rid of now. So the PPC has definitely changed with the market. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, our bread and butter is absentee owner data, cold calling, like that's because you can specifically target the, the exact properties you want, the exact markets you want, the areas you know are good. You know, if you have really good buyers or, you know, hedge funds give you, you know, their zip codes where they're buying, all that kind of stuff, their criteria. You're talking to your private buyers, getting their criteria. You can really narrow that down mm -hmm. with the cold calling. So yeah. that's always been kind of our bread and butter. So talk to me about this 125K deal. Was, did the seller just say, this is what I want for it? Uh, yeah, that it was an interesting deal. Um, me and Eric were in the, my partner, Eric Klein, which probably some of you guys know, um, we were in the office. It was just me and him. It was like late one day and this PPC call comes in and this is when we were running ads in Ohio. So this was, you know, later last, about a year ago. And, um, a lady called from, she was in Cincinnati and she said, hey, I don't have a house, but my brother does. He's out in Algona, Washington, and he needs to move here with me. Can't take care of himself. Like, here's his name. Here's his number. Can you give him a call and buy his house from him? And we said yes. So we call him and we're running comps on this deal. Uh, the guy had like raccoons living in his house. Uh, wow. It was a, it was complete mess. Foundation issues. House was falling apart. It was like a a two, two or something like that. It was like this small little cottage in this Valley. And we're looking at comps and, you know, he gave us his number he wanted. And we noticed like this Valley was like beautiful and every house that had been, all the houses were exactly the same. And the ones that had been flipped were selling for about a half a million dollars. Hmm. So he shot out a number of, you know, two something. And we ended up locking it up at uh, like 165 or something like that. And wow. this guy was super motivated. He said, 
he had gambling debts. He had people after him. People were knocking on his door. He didn't feel safe. Um, his door had been kicked in. He just was not a super healthy guy. I don't think mentally or physically. Mm-hmm. After we got the photos of the property, we realized that. But uh, once we got him under contract, he took off the next day. Like he wasn't waiting. He's like, he's under the mat. I'm moving to Ohio. So it put a little pressure on me because we were, you know, we were only a few months into wholesaling then. I'm like, dang, like this guy's moving. Like I need to move this deal ASAP, like make sure Mm -hmm. this guy gets paid um, and we don't cancel. Right. So, um, so we get the pictures back like a couple of days later, we hired a photographer to go out there. Um, The pictures were absolutely horrible, literally like (laughs) cat food stacked up in the living room. I mean, place was falling apart. I'm like, man, I'm like, we'll see, man. I don't know what we can sell this for. I'm like running the comps. I'm like, I'm going to put this thing out at like 290 and see, see what happens, you know? And uh, we had just gotten investor lift. Um, Robert Wensley actually gave me access to um, the cartel level buyer pool on investor lift for like 30 days back then. Cause he saw our numbers jumping up and jumping up. He's like, let me see what you guys can do with 3 million buyers. It's, it's now over 4 million buyers in there, but back then it was about 3 million. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just like, you know, the stars aligned. We got this deal. It was a PPC deal. We locked it up low, sent it out at 290. And I had like five or six full off, full price offers within like 24 hours. Right. So the wow. first guy that uh, offered on it, he got it. And uh, they closed, you know, within 30 days and it was $125,000 assignment fee. So That's that wild. was the first really big one we got. We've had three other six figure deals i think but mm-hmm. uh that's still to this day the biggest one that's wild man that was one of your first ones too yeah it was it, it was the first six figure deal we had um so we were like five months into wholesaling at that time and we already done you know a couple six figure months so we've been doing some good deals um but that was by far the biggest one i think before that our biggest deal was like you know 40 or 50 grand so it was wow. a huge jump huge jump that's awesome, man. That's super yeah. exciting for all those people out there that are trying to just make five and 10. It's like, you get, yeah. if you get your mind right, you market to the right people. It's absolutely yeah. possible. Yeah. And I, you know, and getting really good at sales, getting good at the acquisition side of things, building rapport, not, you know, giving an offer within the first 10 minutes, mm-hmm. staying on the phone with these sellers, you know, it's sales is all relationships. You got to get them to like you, you know, it's relationships mm-hmm. on the acquisition side. You're in a 45 minute hour long relationship with the seller. You want them to feel comfortable, that you want them to trust you, like you, want to do business with you. And then on the disposition side of things, which I handle, you know, it's these really long-term relationships with buyers. You know, you want, you, you know, you want to send them good deals. You want to have good pictures. You want to know all the, the answers to the questions they're going to, they're going to ask, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, it's all relationship based. That's all sales is. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. I had a question for you on uh, sales strategy that you guys use. So, you know, part of what we do is try to keep people in that emotional state as much as we can get them away from the logic talking, like there's a comp here and all this stuff that's happening, but are you shifting into doing some, some of that like light educating or straight up educating sellers about the cooling market and how that affects the prices you can pay and all that? Yeah, you have to, um, in this market for sure. Yeah. You have to educate them because, you know, the data hasn't even caught up to what's going on in the market, mm-hmm. right? We're running comps from 90 days ago. It's even changed from 90 days ago. You know, mm-hmm. when the market's going down, um, you know, you've really got to educate these people that your house is worth more 
today than it's going to be worth tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. So the the faster we can get this under contract, this is going to be the best offer you're going to get. If you wait a month, it's going to be you know worth less. So we're going to be mm -hmm. offering you less if you call us back in 30 days. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, just educating them on that. You know, even you know we'll pull up if they're sitting at a computer, we'll we'll pull up Zillow and show you know, properties that have been sitting on the market for, you know, now we're seeing 80 days, 90 days, hundred days sometimes and mm -hmm. showing all the price drops. Like, you know, this, you think your house is worth 300 grand. Well, this one in better shape than yours around the corner has been reduced third, you know, $30,000. It's sitting at, you know, 260 now, and it's, it's been on the market for three months. So your house isn't worth that, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely educating them and, and showing them the data. Um, you know, we, we try to come up with, um, you know, real estate articles too, that we talk about in our morning meeting as a team, you know, just a little, you know, snippet of information that we can relay to the seller, um, whether it's, you know, 1.3 trillion in equity lost, you know, in the last, you know, few months, um, just so we have, you know, it's top of mind that the market is changing and, and we feel comfortable talking about those things with the seller. Yeah, that's really good. I think a lot of people stay away from that, but in this time, like you're right, the data hasn't caught up. People, a lot of people don't quite realize how big of a turn it's taken. If they're just a seller, they're not looking at deals every day like we are. So that's a really good, uh, it's a good piece of advice for people that are listening to this. And I mean, you know, stepping back a little bit, there's a lot of people freaking out about this recession that we're in or we're going into or however you want to define it. But, but you said in one of your posts on Instagram, this might be the golden age of wholesaling. Um, can you just tell me a little bit more about why you think that's the case? Yeah. I mean, what I said on Instagram was, you know, in, in a recession anyway, you know, people still owe a bunch of money. Now they're, you know, in credit card debt and student loans and, and everything else. And, you know, the, a lot of times the only equity, the only money they're going to have is equity in their home. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are going to have to, you know, sell their house in order to pull money out to survive this recession. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it's one of these things like that. That's what I said on Instagram. Another thought I have too, which I hear from a lot of my buyers and people my age, you know, I'm almost 40. Um, you know, I, I was in my twenties during the last, you know, uh, housing crash or housing correction. And back then I didn't have any money to invest. And I feel like I missed the boat. Mm -hmm. Um, so like people my age now, they've been through, um, the last downturn and they want to capitalize on this. And so do hedge funds and, and people that are in real estate already, but even common people are like, oh man, I remember the last one. If I would have bought three houses back then, I'd be a millionaire today. Mm -hmm. So I think whenever this market does settle, anybody with any money, credit, access to money, I mean, they're going to buy up as much real estate as humanly possible. I know I am. Yeah. Um, and I know the hedge funds are, I mean, these hedge funds are just foaming at the mouth for this market to come down so you know they can buy up america basically um, yeah so that's that's why i think we're, we're running into that you know everybody else you know you hear it all the time like man we you know we had this window of a few years wholesaling was so easy we we're making all this money but it's going to happen again it's just we all knew this was coming everybody said we're going to have to pivot prepare adjust and now that it's here everybody's you know scared out of their minds it's like hey we knew this was coming Mm -hmm. All good. You just got to weather the storm. You know, one thing we're doing is growing. We're tripling our team. We're going to lock up way more deals since our assignment fees are lower. Our assignment fees basically got cut in half. 
So now we're going to double our, triple our, our, our leads, triple our deals and triple the deals that we're, we're assigning and, and, and still make money through this. You can definitely make money through a downturn, a recession, everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, I was going to ask, what are you doing differently now? Maybe you can start by talking about those offer calculations. Like I'm assuming they've come down for you guys. They have for us. Yeah. If we're looking at comps from, you know, you know, like I said, 90 days ago, whatever it is, you know, we're adjusting 10, 15% off the ARV, um, you know, maybe even a little bit more if, if we know it's a big rehab, it's going to take a long time. So by the time this thing sells, if it's a flip, um, so we're, yeah, our offers are way lower, uh, to our seller than, you know, like I said, educating them, letting them know, because I tell you who is educated is the buyers. They're mm. going to tell you exactly what's going on with the market. And they're, you know, beating us up on the dispo side of things. So, you know, getting your disposition strategies really, really tuned in is going to be important. You know, keeping those, I, I call my buyers every week, my big buyers, and just kind of stay in tune with what they're seeing, what they're looking for, what they're still buying, how their criteria has changed. So, mm. you know, getting a hold of your buyers, doing a little reverse engineering uh, in the wholesaling space, knowing what people are adjusting for on the buy side. So you can adjust it on the seller side and, um, you know, just casting a really wide net, um, when it comes to dispositions, you know, making mm -hmm. sure you're posting everything on the Facebook groups, you're calling your VIPs, you're getting a hold of realtors, you know, you're sending out on your buyers list. We use investor lift. We send all the deals out on there. You're cold calling all your cash buyers off a prop stream in the area, creating relationships with them, adding them mm. to your buyers list. We utilize the MLS. We put a lot of our deals on the flat fee MLS. So now we're, you know, gaining even more relationships with agents who have, you know, if you can get a hold of 10 agents that all have three cash buyers and investors they work with, you've just tripled your, your pool there too. Mm. So, mm. um, it's all about relationships in this game and just casting the widest net possible because you know, your three buyers you used to sell all your deals to the last couple of years, if they pause or their criteria shifts and you got all these deals coming in, you got to find new buyers. There's a buyer for every deal. You just got to do the work and find them. Hmm. Yeah. You talked about listing some of them on the MLS. I don't know. Is that tie into Novations or can you talk about that? No, it, it's, it's different than Novations. So everybody asks me that because we put a lot of deals on the MLS and we're still looking for cash buyers. It's still an as-is deal. It's still an assignment contract, all that. It's just another way to market to cash buyers. Like mm -hmm. the, It's the best marketing for cash buyers. Everybody looks at the MLS. Everybody looks mm -hmm. at Zillow. So mm -hmm. you can put properties on the flat fee MLS for about 150 bucks and um now you have basically it's kind of like PPC on this on the, the acquisition side. Now you have, excuse me, now you have a bunch of inbound calls from investors that see the deal, realtors that see the deal, all this kind of stuff. So it it changed the game for us in dispositions. Like we're hmm. still looking for a cash buyer, it's still an assignment contract, but now we have all these inbound calls. You know, we'll pay two and a half percent to an agent that brings us a cash buyer which is done on a separate commission agreement that we send into the title company and that comes out of the HUD. So everybody's paid. Mm -hmm. um, we try to have them put their fee on top of it, you know, and the pitch on that is, Hey, we will pay the two and a half percent if this is the best and highest offer. And it still makes sense for us, but you're going to get pushed out of a lot of deals. If I'm constantly having to pay your commission. Mm -hmm. So if you're bringing a, if you're bringing an investor to this deal, 
because we have cash investors that aren't using an agent that we don't have to pay a commission to. So if you're right. bringing an investor, put your fee on top of it so you can get more deals and your investors can get more deals. You're going to win more deals that way. Hmm. Um, but it's separate from innovations. It's just, if you look at it, it's just a marketing strategy to find more cash buyers. That's hmm. So two things you mentioned there that I want to ask you about. One was you, you mentioned something about a separate agreement to pay the realtor that's not on the HUD or something like that. Can you explain what that is? Yeah. So when we're doing assignment contracts, um, there's no commissions, you know, anything like that. So um, we've just come up with a very simple commission agreement with the agent. If we do have to pay a commission on a deal, if it, you know, sometimes we'll get over asking on the MLS and we're happy to pay the commission then obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just a commission agreement that you have with, you know, our acquisition company is TLC homebuyers. So when TLC homebuyers and this buyer closes on this property, uh, the agent is going to get a commission of two and a half percent, you know, so they sign it, we sign it, that goes to the title company with our assignment contract. So they get paid out of the HUD at closing. So they're okay. not, they're not worried about, you know, is TLC actually going to send me a check? They're, oh, getting, okay. they're getting paid out of the HUD. So it, you know, we get all that signed ahead of time, makes everybody kind of feel at ease if we are paying a commission. Yeah. And then do you have something in your contract that says we can market this in any way possible or how does that work? Yeah. There's a pre-marketing clause in our purchase agreement with the seller that states just that, Chris, where it's, you know, we can pre-market your property on all these platforms, including the MLS. Um, and we get almost zero pushback from really? sellers. Even when they see, and that's the number one thing people ask me about this. Like, well, doesn't the seller freak out? when uh, they see their house on Zillow. And it's like, no, because we've gone over that with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, we tell them it's a pre-marketing agreement. Like we're gonna pre-market your property on the MLS. We're gonna find contractors over there. We're gonna find potential uh, renters if this is a buy and hold. We're gonna find financial partners on there that might wanna flip the property with us. You know, come up with whatever pitch you want. Mm -hmm. um, but as long as you're upfront about it and you let them know that's gonna happen, um, you know, it, you get very little pushback. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I'll say about it though, is a, a lot of these states are getting kind of strict with, um, you know, marketing properties that you don't own on the MLS and you're not an agent. So um, a lot of them require an attorney in fact uh, document signed. Got it. So on every single deal we lock up in acquisitions, we're getting an attorney in fact document signed along with our purchase agreement much wow. easier to have them sign that. And it's at the very end of the, the contract and it just goes, and then we just refer back to that pre-marketing clause that they initialed. And we say, this is a, a document that you'll need to sign so we can uh, have the rights to pre-market your property. All right, no problem. There you go. We get almost no pushback on that. But it, wow. it comes with building rapport with the with the seller, right? Right. Like if they if they like you, trust you, and want to do business with you, they're going to be happy to sign that because they they we agree to a price on their house. They don't care how it gets how they get that money as long as they get it, and that's the best way for for us to get them paid. Yeah. So this is where you talked about this at the very top of don't create problems for yourself that aren't problems yet. I think a lot of us don't take action on these because. Well, what are they going to say? You get all worried about it. Um, but but also, it sounds like you've created a solution for them already. They want something easy. They want to get paid fast. 
you're, this is part of us doing everything in our power to make that happen for you. Right. And that's probably part of the way you pitch it. I would think. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's not even a question. It's just part of our process. So if you just are confident and this is part of our process, then there's no question. Like the only apprehension that the seller is going to have is because you have it. Like mm -hmm. if you don't have the apprehension, if you're not worried about it, then they're not going to be worried about it. So just being confident and this is the part of our process. This is the step we take. This is this is part of uh, of, of buying your property. Um, it, it really eases eases their minds. That's huge, man. That's a huge tip. If you're listening to this, take note of that. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's big. Um, so you're see, I mean, I'm sure people are hitting you up on Instagram constantly wanting advice from you and stuff. What do you think is the differentiator right now for the folks that are continuing to be successful versus those that are kind of struggling or going out of business at this point? Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, a you know, it's adjusting. Like I own a bicycle business out in San Diego I've had for 15 years. Right. And a few years ago, it was like five years ago, whatever, when those bird scooters and lime scooters and all the, those, those started popping up on the streets and our, our business got cut in half back then. Mm. Like we went from selling, you know, 3,500 bicycles a, a year down at the beach to about half of that volume, right? And same with our rental fleet. We were renting 100 bikes a day in the summertime down to 10 bikes a day because why would somebody come into a bike shop, rent a bike, give their credit card information, all that stuff, mm. when they could just walk on the corner, scan their phone and take off on a scooter. Right. So a lot of the bike shops kind of panicked and a lot of them went out of business because they didn't adjust. And one thing we did was, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. We got a hold of bird scooters and we we're like, hey, who's fixing your scooters? Oh, we didn't even think of that yet. All right, well, let us fix your flat tires for you. Hmm. We fixed we fixed birds uh, flat tires for the first 45 days they were in San Diego. Hmm. And they cut us a check for like 70 grand for fixing flat tires. Wow. So that's how you adjust to, to things. That's how you adjust to markets. Like what are buyers still buying? Are, right. are you in a position to buy and hold now that the market shifted, right? Like, do you have extra cash laying around? Do you have private money guys? Do you have a hard money guy? Is there any way for you to buy some of your deals mm -hmm. where it makes sense, where your payments a thousand dollars and they rent for, you know, 1700, like, mm -hmm. are you locking them up low enough to do that? So mm -hmm. just, just adjusting in that way. And like I said before, talking to your buyers and, and your investors and seeing exactly what they want, what their volume is. And, you know, our attitude is just tripling down on everything. Mm. Because we're still moving deals. Um, but our assignment fees went from over 30 grand to, you know, under 20 grand now. So mm -hmm. um, in order to get back to half a million in assignment fees a month, we're just tripling our, our volume on everything. And um, there's, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, nobody's buying anymore. The hedge funds stop buying all this stuff, but it's not like all these investors and flippers. It's not like all these guys are going out of business. They still got to put, you know, food on the table. They still have crews uh, to pay. Um, it's not like they're just like, Oh, the market's changed. I'm out of business. I'm going to go cut hair now. Mm -hmm. It's That's just not the case. They're still buying. You just got to get really good at acquisitions, get really good at locking up deals low mm. and, uh, and just increasing that volume you know, and, uh, and still moving deals. Yeah. That's great advice right there. Um, we talked about innovations a little bit earlier, but, um, can you just give us, walk us through that process, uh, that you guys go through there? 
Yeah, Novation. I have a love and hate relationship with Novations. Mm -hmm. Like right now, I'm like F Novations. I'm never doing another one. Just because these deals, I mean, no, every, you know, Novations, uh, wholesaling, like everything was really easy when the market was was going up, right? Like even a buyer could buy a property at, you know, 90% ARV, sit on it for three months, sell it and make a profit. Like there, mm-hmm. when the market's shooting up like it was like out of control and properties are selling for 50,000 over asking, it, it, it makes people get lazy, right? Um, you just don't hone in your skills when, when it's that easy. And Novations was really easy back then. Like you could lock up a property at, I mean, almost at ARV, throw it on the MLS and, and make money on it. Um, but with the shift in the market, I mean, Novations are just as hard, if not harder than wholesale deals, in, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, so we kind of, when the market shifted, we took like half of our wholesale deals that we had locked up too high because the interest rates changed. Um, you know, after we had them locked up under contract and we turned, you know, half of those into novations because now we could at least make a little bit on the open market. But what these gurus and people that do novations and all this stuff don't tell you is it's a process and it's mm-hmm. not as easy as they make it sound. Mm-hmm. You really have to stick to your criteria. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, like right now we are super strict with novation criteria where it's, you know, it's got to be a move-in ready home. It can't need a ton of repair. Vacant, you know, is, is way easier than tenant or owner occupied. Um, mm. And uh, and there's got to be at least a $40,000 spread on it. Because mm. the market's changing so much. You don't want these $20,000 spreads on these novations. And then, you know, interest rates go up again in a week. And now your offers are really low and you have no room to work. So mm. we're only locking deals up with $40,000 spreads that are moving ready and hopefully vacant. We'll take them if they're owner occupied, but vacant is much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you can always flat fee list it, not get a seller's agent, just use a buyer's agent. Um, you got to have really good relationships with title companies. Um, or, you know, if you have a relationship with David Olds and his company, he'll do these novations for you. He'll do the TC work for you. Um, but you, you really need a lot of knowledge on how to get these deals closed because not every title company, 99% of the title companies don't know how to close them. Mm -hmm. So you got to have really good relationships with title companies that can do it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, in hiring, if, if it is owner occupied or tenant occupied, having really good relationships with a broker and an agent that can get a novation deal done. So Mm -hmm. what I've done in the last 10 novation deals is just really hone in my relationships with agents that can get these deals done Mm -hmm. and they kind of help us through the process as well, but they are not easy. I mean, we will make over, we'll, we'll make close to 150,000 on novation deals this year. Um, but it's a hard hundred. It's a lot harder 150 grand than that wholesale deal I did for 125 grand. I'll tell you that. Right. I would much rather wholesale every deal, but you know, mm-hmm. whatever makes sense. If, 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 if novation makes sense, we're going to still lock it up. You know, if, if owner finance makes sense, you know, we're going to lock it up. It's just, you know, being flexible with, with, uh, with what you're offering. Mm-hmm. So part of that really strict criteria for you guys is keeping your promise to the seller about this is going to be quick and easy versus because if it's if it's 
sitting on the market for 60 days, you're not fulfilling your duty to them, essentially. That's another thing, Chris, I didn't even mention, but we're getting 90 business day closes on these novations now. We started at 60 days and now we're at 90 business days because as we know, and we've talked about, things are sitting on the market and getting reduced every week for mm -hmm. that long. You know, mm -hmm. the average to close used to be, you know, 47 days. Now it's like 70 days. So mm -hmm. um, you got to have a lot of time on these as well. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the flat fee service. Which, which one do you guys prefer to use? We use Brokerless. Okay. Same with us. So, yeah. So Brokerless.com, super easy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I have somebody in the office that half her job is listing our properties um, on the flat fee MLS. She spends half her day doing that wow. um, because we just lock up so many deals. We have 30 deals in our dispo bucket right now that we're actively marketing for buyers. Um, there's probably five of them that have contracts out on them, but uh, haven't gotten signed yet today. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we have a lot of deals. So wow. it's a lot of, lot of work listing all those properties. Yeah. So I, I didn't get around to asking about how many people are on your team. I mean, that's a lot of properties to be working. We've done all of our numbers pretty much with two closers and one dispo person and one TC and then us uh, three partners. So we've done all these numbers. We've done well over $3 million in assignment fees since we started. Um, all this has been done with, with me, <clears throat> Eric and Shyla, us, us three partners <clears throat> and a very small team of one TC, one dispo and two closers. Mm. So that's, that's all we've ever really had. We just hired two more closers and we just hired another dispo person and we're in the process of hiring another TC. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to get all these people trained in the next couple months. And then again, we're going to hire two more closers, one more dispo and one more TC maybe if we need it, but we're just going to continue growing. We're moving into a, we're moving out of a 2000 square foot office into a 6,000 square foot office at the end of the year. And I mean, we just think sky is the limit with, with wholesaling still. We're, we're, we're still in it to win it. That's huge. Um, yeah. and, and so your two business partners, you guys are all involved in the business, still talking to people on the phone. It's not like you've just delegated everything away. Not yet. I mean, that's obviously the goal. I didn't start a business to just give myself a high paying job. Like I don't, you know, I'm still sitting at a computer making calls. I mean, you'll see on Instagram, I'm, I'm, I'm making calls to buyers all day. Um, I'm doing property managing. I'm, I'm managing our, our flips and our rehabs. I mean, we all, all three of us wear every hat in the book, mm -hmm. but that's what happens when you're, you know, you have a startup company and you're growing mm -hmm. a business. Like we want to master everything so we can hire for it and uh, hire people that are maybe smarter than us at certain aspects of this business, um, but we got to understand it first. And we're kind of still in that stage of understanding everything, hiring people, training them, you know, and, and, you know, we still need to hire management and, and kind of structure our business. Cause we've just been kind of gunslinging the first year and a half. But I think with the new office, having more space, um, you know, more opportunity, I think uh, we're going to really in the next couple of years, really structure this uh, wholesale business to be, you know, one of the biggest in, in the country, we hope. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of folks, they get out of the day-to-day -to -day too early, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I think that's one thing we're looking at right now is like, I'm probably the, the person that could do the most, but everyone else is doing all of the work. And it's like, I'm this high paid employee that isn't doing stuff for the business. So we're just reconsidering that right now. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, my last business, I was 
basically the only employee for the first four years, you know, and I just, um, first of all, I didn't think I was in a position to start hiring people. Um, I was reinvesting into the business and doing all that. So it took me four or five years to where I could like step away from that business and really like work, you know, on it and, and grow it that way. But it took a while, you know, and, it, mm -hmm. and yeah, people, you know, and I think that's the problem with Instagram too, man. People see these people, um, you know, these gurus and stuff out there, you know, telling you the proper way to structure a business and all that. But yeah, it takes a lot of grunt work in the beginning and a lot of learning before you get to that point where you can delegate everything for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram's a funny place because I've obviously interviewed a couple of people now and, you know, I see guys on there that have, you know, 50, 60,000 followers. And then I interview them and I find out that they're like not really doing any deals. They're not, they're just, they're good at filming themselves. Right. And then well, everything's fake, Chris, like those people with 50,000 followers have fake followers. That's it. You know, mm -hmm. like that's it, you know, that uh, me and Eric, you know, Shiloh's not really on social media, but me and Eric made it a point, like we're never going to get fake followers. Um, we're just going to grow organically. Um, but yeah, there's so much fluff out there. There's so mm -hmm. many, so many people with fake followers. And when we started going to, you know, wholesaling events, we started noticing, we'd look at these people's numbers, do office visits, all that. And we're like, we were only four months into the business. We we're already doing double what all these, you know, all these, uh, you know, gurus were doing. So it's like, well, we're doing something right. You know? Yeah. And I think that's the one thing I opened Instagram this morning, man. And, and there was a particular person on there. And I'm just like, I, I, I kind of hate social media, which is why I hire somebody that, to help mm -hmm. me with it. Mm -hmm. um, but I had like 400 followers before I started this business. Like I wasn't on a whole lot. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I, I pull up Instagram this morning to, to post my reel that was done for me. And, you know, the first two people I saw, their reels were like, I'm doing a million dollars a month. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Look at my cars. Look at that. And I'm just like, are you really giving any value? Like, who mm -hmm. cares? cares mm. like yeah i mean we could go on there and just show our bank account every day i mean is that gonna motivate anybody is everybody gonna think you're a douchebag like nobody cares like nobody cares about your cars like mm -hmm. i really try on there to you know every other day i'll do like something personal about mindset or my past or you know how i deal with stress or my routine and then the next day i try to give value um in real estate and wholesaling and business it's like just given a mix of everything. And I mean, I will never be on there talking. About, I'll talk about like our assignment fees and stuff like that, but I'm never going to be on there flaunting, flaunting uh, how much money I make. I think it's just, uh, it, it just, it's cringeworthy to me. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the loudest people on there are actually doing the least, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. um, so let's just talk about like the long-term goals of things for you. I know you said, um, on IG, you just want to own a shit ton of properties and get that mailbox money. So, you know, with that being the case, when those come in, uh, do you pay yourself an assignment fee to TLC? And then how do you do your compensation to your team if you're going to keep it? Yeah. So we just kind of have a flat fee that we pay in a commission to our, uh, our closer that locks up the deal. Um, we don't necessarily pay an assignment fee. If we do, it's very small. That's a Shyla question. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but it just kind of depends on, uh, our tax situation at the time. If we're going to, if we're going to pay cash for the property or do a, do a loan, um, use a lender. 
Um, but we're just analyzing every single deal. Like if a deal, every deal that comes in, you know, if it's something we, you know, if it's a 1% rule or it's a good short-term rental in the mountains or by the beach, you know, we're definitely looking at all those deals, you know, nothing, you know, if it's a, if it's an Airbnb property, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll entertain a half million dollar property if it makes sense. But most of our like long-term rentals, you know, we're, we're buying stuff that's, you know, under 250 grand. So we can really stick with that 1% rule is the, you know, the rent 1% of the total investment in the property. We're not really doing any major, major rehabs on stuff. Um, we just kind of want lipstick rehabs that are in good rental areas in markets that are eventually going to go up in price. Um, so if the numbers make sense, we want to cash flow, you know, over 500 bucks a month if we're taking out a loan on it um, and not have, you know, the major mechanicals we want in good shape, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, 500 bucks a month. Uh, uh, being only in Indianapolis right now, and I mean, I've been doing this for longer than you guys have, um, but our rentals were, you know, if you're making like two or 300 a month, you're like really excited there. And it just makes me think we got to go elsewhere because it's just, yeah, the properties are cheap to get into, but you know, you can't cash flow that much. It's just really for, for, uh, tax write-off purposes more than anything. It's not like you can get 20 of those and then go move to Hawaii. You know, you got to yeah. get a hundred of those to move to Hawaii. That's kind of the thing. Yeah. You got to get a lot of them. I mean, even at 500 bucks a month, you know, with three business partners and, and all that, it's like, you know, how many properties do you really need to, uh, to make a difference, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's, you know, hopefully you're buying low enough with a lot of equity in it. Um, that's a big thing. Like, I'll give you an example of a property we locked up uh, outside of Marietta, Georgia. <clears throat> it was a townhouse. ARV was like 220 on it. And um, we actually locked this deal up for $50,000. The guy had had it for, say, 15 years. He paid 85 grand for it and mm -hmm. he sold it to us for 50. Because he had a meth head in there as his last tenant, mm. and they left the place covered in graffiti, swastikas, holes in the wall everywhere. Mm. Total meth house. They pulled all the electrical out of the, all the outlets out, all the lights out, all this. And the guy was completely overwhelmed when he saw the property. So he was just like, "Give me fifty grand, you guys can have it." But in reality, I'm look, you know, I'm looking at the pictures. I'm like, this isn't that bad. Do some drywall work replace the flooring. I mean, whatever, it's a two, two townhouse. Um, so we only put 35, 37 grand into this property. So now we're say we're all in for 90 grand. Uh, it rents for 17, 1800 bucks a month. I mean, that's a great return. You got plenty of equity in it, you know, at least a hundred grand of equity in it. So mm. those are like the good, good deals that, that we're looking for, you know, yeah. not something like that. You can pay cash for it and, and really get some good cash flow and return on your investment. So those yeah. are, that's a, you know, a special one, but you know, we're just, that's a beautiful thing about wholesaling, right? If you have this conveyor belt of, of deals coming in, just cherry pick the really, really good ones, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think a lot of people get stuck on, I just got to wholesale everything. And, you know, that's, that's the shift we're, we're making right now. We just took down 10 and I'm just, I'm like you, man, I want to just aggressively build that rental portfolio. And I'm thinking of it right now. Like I want to sprint for like three to five years and yeah. get a hundred, 200 properties and then just chill and go do something, helping people or something like that next, you know? So. Yeah. I'm, I'm good for, 
like my last business, I mean, I was grinding every day, seven days a week for seven years, right? And then I got that business tuned in to where, you know, it's paying me, you know, 20, 30 grand a month, right? And I don't have to be there. So it's like that, that's the kind of business I want to set up where mm. I'll grind it out for five, seven, 10 years, whatever it is. And then once it's kind of set up and I don't have to be there anymore, I'm actually a nuisance when I'm at my bike shop now. Everybody's mm -hmm. like, what are you doing here? You're yeah. getting in the way. Um, like that's the that's the goal here. So mm -hmm. um, having the wholesale operation kind of running, um, you know, still, you know, working on it, not in it. And then, you know, just just buying rentals, man, just buying short term, long term, all, all that stuff. That's that's the key to wealth for me. And the key to happiness, man. I got a million hobbies. I I love off-roading. I'm a mountain biker. You know, I like to hike. I like to travel. I like to go crazy places. Um, so traveling for me is is number one and 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 enjoying my life. But I understand it takes this grind for mm. however many years it takes, and I'm okay with that. I'm super disciplined. Um, so I know I can get it done. So that's that's kind of build mode right now. That's huge, man. Uh well. Dude, it's been awesome having you on. Love your perspective on everything here. I know you have some educational programs. Can you just tell us about those and where we can find you? Yeah, just follow me on Instagram. It's Tony underscore Mont, M-O-N-T. Um, I do a three-week disposition course. It's uh, one day a week for three weeks. It goes about two, two and a half hours. Um, I'm not doing one until after the new year. I think I did four of them this year. Um, I usually have between 25 and 40 people on those calls. It's all over Zoom. Uh, you get the recordings after we're done. Um, so that's that's something I, I love. Um, you know, I was kind of getting caught up in the day-to-day -day stuff and went to a couple um, events in a mastermind. And I, had, and I spoke in front of a group of people at a mastermind about dispositions. And then after that, everybody came up to me like, hey, can I pay you to jump on a phone call real quick uh, mm. next week? Can I pay you? Can I do this and that? And I was like, man, why don't I get everybody on a, on a Zoom mm -hmm. call together and we'll learn together? So mm -hmm. that's how I came up with this course. Um, and uh, I love doing it. It's, it's great. Um, and I also sell the recordings too. If you, know, if you need something right away, you can hit me up on Instagram. I'm in the process of building out my website, but I do have the recordings from, from past uh, trainings that you can buy as well. And then just have them forever. So when you're onboarding a dispo person, you can show them the videos. It's really good training to, to get them going. Awesome. Yeah, guys get on Instagram. Definitely give Tony a follow and uh, Tony, thanks for joining us today, man. It's been great. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Level 10 podcast. You can head over to level10official.com to learn more about our courses, coaching, and everything else that we offer. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, like, and share with your friends. Go out there and take it to the next level.